It's Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back. You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement here on 106.7 The Fan. Linnell Willingham. Here with you until about 6 o'clock tonight. Plenty. Plenty left to get to here in the show. Coming up in the next segment, give you a little look ahead. That's what we like to do here. Mark Schofield, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, will hop on and take a spin around the National Football League as we're just about four weeks away, three weeks now, since we're in the month of July. About three weeks away from the start of training camp around the NFL. Plenty to discuss with Mark. We'll talk QB battles. We'll talk some commanders. We'll do a lot with Mark. Uh, on the other side of the break. But before we went to the break, I told you I wanted to switch things to the gridiron here a little bit and talk about Terry McLaurin and his new deal. We talked Wizards uh, pretty much that entire first hour. I want to give another big thanks to Chase Hughes for joining me and getting us smarter. We'll go to the phones real quick here before we move on to Terry McLaurin and go to Gus in Alexandria who wants to give his take uh, on the Wizards. What's going on, Gus? Hey, Happy Fourth of July! Happy Fourth, buddy. Um, you know what? We were a 12 seed last year, so it wasn't that much to get better. And I agree that Shepard made us better, but he should have been doing what Danny H did this year. He should have done that last year. Was blow up the team right after the loss to the Sixers in the playoffs. That was such a listless performance with Westbrook and Beal. We don't. Beal is not the guy to build around. I mean, I just don't see any future with this franchise. Yeah. It's uh, it's tough, and I appreciate the call, Gus. I, I agree with the sentiments that Gus echoed, and that's that's why I wanted to talk to Chase so badly about it. You see other teams in the NBA and other superstars doing this. It's hard to really see what the ceiling is going to be for Washington. Gus mentioned it. They were a 12 seed last year in the East, and I believe there was about an eight or nine game difference between that 12 seed and then them being in the play-in tournament. And you all know the way the NBA season goes. If you're about seven, eight games out of it, and you're still, and it doesn't, you're not really out of it till about the month of May, end of March, April. So, if you're Washington here, how much better did you get with these moves? Hopefully, come October, the answer will be a lot better, or else there are going to be some big time answers, uh, questions. Excuse me, that need to be answered. We'll switch things over to uh, the gridiron though. Here with the Washington Commanders, Terry McLaurin, ink still, ink still wet on the deal signing a three-year, $71 million extension that will keep him here in our nation's capital through the 2025 season. Uh, He'll be a free agent come 2026. But for Washington, I think it was a move that they had to make. And And I said it in the opener, they finally, finally got this deal done. And I think for all the negativity that has been off the field for this team, Terry McLaurin, in my opinion, has been the one shining light for the Washington Commanders. The one thing that you can hold your hat on and say, hey, look, look at us. This this is what we do well. Terry McLaurin, constant professional, a guy that's starting to gain some recognition nationally and proving that he's a star in his own right uh, at the wide receiver position. And look, obviously, we know how these contract negotiations get. It got a little spicy. Things got unchy. You know, he had to hold out a mini camp and he 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 held out of the voluntary portion as well. But now that all the dust has settled, it's worth it. 
because number 17 is going to be in the fold here in Washington uh, for a long time. And one of the things that really got me excited about the deal and about the overall situation uh, here in Washington was the gesture that Terry McLaurin took uh, the day after he got his contract signed with the Washington Commanders. We saw him go on social media and pen a heartfelt letter to this Washington Commanders fan base and front office for believing in him, for believing in him, excuse me, and just appreciating what type of player and individual that Terry McLaurin is. And I, and I think the letter really just put a bow on it. Just the type of guy Terry McLaurin is, man. I mean, right now I got to say he's probably my, one of my top three favorite players on the team right now. He, he's, he's integrated himself in this community. And like I, like I just mentioned, he's pretty, pretty much everything that's gone right for the Washington Commanders is exemplified in number 17. But we all know about the terms of the contract. What I wanted to talk to you guys about, you could tap in with me, MGM National Harbor Listen Lines, 1-800-636-1067. You can get at me on Twitter and Instagram as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Now that we've signed Terry McLaurin to a new deal, we don't have to worry about that situation until 2026. Who should be the next member of the Washington Commanders to get that back? Who's earned the right on the Washington Commanders to get paid next? Who is going to follow in the footsteps of Terry McLaurin? Who has followed in those footsteps and, will, and has been the leader that Terry McLaurin has been and had the steady play on the field that Terry McLaurin has had? Because they got a lot of candidates on this roster. If you look at this roster and, and how they're looking from a cap standpoint, right? You uh, you got to look and say, well, who's going to earn the money next? There's some guys that have contracts expiring after this year. One of the big ones that we all talked about is Deron Payne. We saw him hold out uh, of the voluntary portion, the on-field stuff at least, trying to preserve himself. I don't blame guys for doing this. Deron Payne has been outside of the, you know, the the, the fight night battle on the, on the, on the sideline against Dallas. Payne has been a pro. Payne has been a pro and has really, in my opinion, been one of the most underrated cogs of this defense. He's a guy that's a tone setter that doesn't doesn't get a lot of the recognition in the stat sheet when it comes to sacks and things like that. But this defense would not be the well-oiled machine that we all want them to be if it wasn't for Deron Payne, that 2020 season, where this defense was ranked second in the National Football League. A lot of that had to do with the player number 94 in the middle, talking about Deron Payne, doing the dirty work, taking on double teams, you name it. In my opinion, I think he's got to be the next guy that you open up the checkbook for. He's a part of that core that you have established here in Washington. And Ron Rivera said it from day one when he was brought in to lead this football team. We are trying to build a sustained winning culture. How do you do that? You reward the guys who do things the right way. And like I mentioned, outside of the squirmish on the sideline with Jonathan Allen, he's done things the right way. So let's not go and bash Deron Payne for getting into the sideline squabble 
with Jonathan Allen because we damn sure don't talk about John Allen in a bad light after the situation. So don't do it for Deron Payne now that he's asking for the team to open up those fat checkbooks and write him a check. He deserves it. He's coming off a career year a season ago. Despite all the turmoil and the regression that Washington took offensively, Deron Payne's play was steady. Deron, Deron Payne's play didn't drop off. He was, in all honesty, for those who are, who are X's and O junkies like I am myself, he was part of the reason Chase Young and, and Montez Sweat looked so damn bad. And they would have looked better. And he would have looked better, talking about Payne, if they would have did their job correctly. You saw all year long Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen collapse the pocket from the interior on opposing quarterbacks. And what were they able to do? Loop right around the edge on Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Loop right around the edge on James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill. You name it. So give Deron Payne some love when you're talking about commanders who should be next in line to get some big-time money. want to bring in the associate producer of the Grant Danny program, a man who would be working at this time anyway. So he decided, hell, I'll come in here and get time and have get the extra dough. Ryan the Stallion, who do you think the Washington Commanders should be paying next? Man, I have a couple. I have a couple uh, players who I think should be playing next. Play it but, on me. Play it on me. So I, I'm thinking Montez Sweat right Ooh. now because in here, here's my take with this: is I, I think right now he's our best edge rusher and getting to the quarterback that we have right now. If your goal is to get to the quarterback, Montez Sweat is that guy who I'm choosing on this team to go get that quarterback. And so, and that's a valuable asset nowadays. I think Chase Young will develop into that and will take the crown when that time comes. But as of right now, I, I see Sweat. And without Sweat on this defensive line, and not especially on the edge, we're in trouble. Because, I mean, we're just not seeing the results right now. So I think that him getting paid is a necessity at this point, because we need someone to get to the quarterback. And also, here's a little uh, little sprinkle of one. Wes Schweitzer. I think Ooh, he wow, is that was my next one. I think Spicy. he is invaluable right now at this yes. offensive line. The position versatility, he can do it all, man. So that that's what I'm really hoping for. Stallion, I'm gonna push back here on you with your first answer, talking about Montez Sweat. And you know, everyone knows Stallion's my man. We've had numerous conversations off the record about the impact or in my opinion, lack thereof. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> From Montez Sweat. A little bit of the dew coming up there, Stein. Look, in three seasons here with the Washington Commanders, Montez Sweat is yet to register double-digit sacks. He was a young man that we traded back up for into the first round. I believe it was 2019 draft. 2019, we traded back up into the first round to get this guy. And in my opinion, during the pre-draft process, it was a part of a hit process. Uh, on Montez Sweat, they they made the big deal about the heart thing to to make him slide down the board, and it worked. Sweat was the number one pass rusher in the class pre-draft, and then when it came, comes down to draft day, he falls all the way down to twenty six, I believe. But you pick him; he's healthy. Twenty twenty was when we saw the best version of Montez Sweat when this defense was at its best: nine sacks, numerous QB hits. The TFLs were, were high. He even scored a damn touchdown on the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. My thing about Montez Sweat is I need consistency. From a first-round edge rusher who hasn't had double-digit sacks yet, and Ryan, you know just as well as anybody, the edge rusher market right now is as robust as any position in the league. Guys are getting piz-aid. You know what I'm saying? Money is being thrown around 
it make me I, I'd have some pause and, and and a little bit of skepticism before I open up the bag to pay Montez Sweat, and and it's it's simply based off of production because he's been pretty durable. I guess last year was the first time we really saw him miss chunks of time, and obviously it was a multitude of things that caused him to miss time: the injury uh, to the jaw, the unfortunate untimely passing of his brother. So I'm not holding that against him. But when he's been on the field, less than to be desired. I want more from him. Only five sacks a year ago from a guy that next year is going to command some big-time money. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Stallion. This year coming up, he's on his fifth-year option, or is that next year? Uh, He's going into his fourth year, so he has uh, two more seasons left. They've already exercised that Mm -hmm. fifth-year option. Correct. So so he's going to be under contract. Unless... We see him take a significant leap from last year's production this year. It's going to be hard for me to feel comfortable doing that. There, there are other, and like we mentioned, that's why we're going through this exercise. There are other guys on this roster that you're going to have to pay that you consider a core, uh, parts of the core of this team. Talking about guys like Cameron Curl. Hell, I know he was a free agent signing, but Wes Schweitzer. He exemplifies everything that a 2022 Washington commander could be. You know, the thing about it is, you know how Ron talks about it, the position versatility. He's got it all. He can play guard. He can play center. And, and Stallion hit on it, which is why it was such an astute point and answer. Chase Frugge most likely is not going to be ready to go come week one. And Stallion's boy, Wes Weiss, is going to slide in there at center and make it do what it do. And, and, and you're not really going to feel the impact of Chase Frugge being lost. Hell, you talk to some people out there uh, in this market, they feel like Chase Ruye is overrated anyway, which in my opinion is, is a no-no, and you'll lose football credibility with me if you say that. But I understand. We don't have to talk down Chase Ruye to, to talk up Wes Weitzer, both two fine, tremendous players. But they are a part of Washington's core uh, that they're trying to build. I know they think Montez Sweat potentially could be part of that core. We mentioned Cameron Curl, and he's the most – more interesting case study to me because unlike Montez Sweat, Washington doesn't have that extra year of built-in control of the player with the fifth-year option. They're going to have to make a decision on Cameron Curl at the end of next season. And, and we know more than any other franchise in the National Football League how important the safety position is. And unfortunately here in Washington, since, since the untimely death of Sean Taylor, the safety position has been a revolving door here in D.C. They have not been able to find somebody to come in and be that stalwart at the position uh, for years to come. So hopefully Cam Curl could could fill that bill. I want you guys to continue to tap in with me on this subject as well. MGM National Harbor Listen Line's wide open. 1-800-636-1067. Tell me, in light of Terry McLaurin getting signed to a new three-year extension and being a part of this core of the Washington Commanders, what other guys on the roster do you think are part of this core and who deserves to get paid next uh, for the Washington Commanders? we got to take a quick time out here. On the other side of the break, we'll talk to my man Mark Schofield, writer for the USA Today's Touchdown Wire. We'll talk to him about the Commanders and all things NFL as we're just about three weeks out from the start of training camp, my favorite time of year. Things about to get spicy here in the sports world. The NFL is back, baby. Three weeks From the start of camp, we'll ask Mark on the other side of this break everything about the National Football League, QB competitions, which coaching staff's got the most pressure on them, 
Stay with me. Ride with me. You're listening to The Fan. Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. Twenty-eight minutes past the hour here in our nation's capital. You know who it is. Linnell Willingham with you until 6 o'clock. Youngest in charge movement. Here on 106.7 The Fan, we've had a jam-packed show so far. I want to give a big thanks to Chase Hughes, NBC Sports Washington, joining me there in the first hour. In this 4 o'clock hour, though, we've transitioned to the National Football League, talking Terry McLaurin and his contract situation with the Washington Commanders, finally getting a new deal. We'll continue to keep things on the gridiron here. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Is USA Today's and Touchdown Wire blog writer Mark Schofield. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Marky Mark, my man, I appreciate you giving me some time on this holiday weekend. Oh, Linnell, anytime for you, my friend. Great to be with you today. You've been crushing it so far, and thank you for having me on, buddy. Yes, sir. Look, you know what you know we're here to talk about. All things National Football League. Three weeks, Mark, until the opening of training camp. I know it's your favorite time of year, just as much as it is mine. We'll start nationally here, though. I was reading some things over the weekend, and there's some quarterback battles brewing uh, right now in the National Football League that's going to make for an interesting training camp. We'll start down in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Uh, the report from Mark Caboli of The Athletic, uh, Kenny Pickett, the Steelers' rookie first-round draft pick hasn't gotten past the third team uh, in OTAs in minicamp, only getting third-team reps. What do you make of that situation? And if you're the Steelers, is it smart to go with Mitch Trubisky here with a roster that they think is ready to win now? You know, Ludell, I, I think that's going to be one of the more interesting quarterback battles to watch during trade camp. I think the fact that Teddy Pickett, the only quarterback drafted in the first round, is just getting third-team reps right now is more of a sort of old-school approach from head coach Mike Tomlin. I think they want to sort of take their time with him. But I do think that at some point this season, Teddy Pickett's going to get some first-team reps, and he's going to get some starts under his belt. Now, how soon that happens remains to be seen. And I used to be of the mind, sort of that old-school approach, that you can learn by watching. You hold the clipboard, you put the baseball hat on, and you watch from the sidelines before you're ready. But I think now with the economics of the NFL, where rookie quarterbacks come in and they're no longer the highest-paid players, I, I think you get them on the field. I yeah. think you get them on the field. You see what they can do because it doesn't cost you that much to move on from them. And not that you want to sort of move on from a first-round draft pick at the quarterback position, but I think you have the opportunity to get them on the field, get them reps, and see what they can do. And so I think he'll start getting some first-team reps as we get into training camp, as we get into the exhibition game slate. They'll start seeing some run with the ones, and they'll see what they have in them. Would it surprise me if he ends up the backup to start the season? No, but I think sooner rather than later, he's going to be starting some games for the Steelers this year. So it doesn't sound like you're too high on uh, money-making Mitch Trubisky, huh, Mark? <laughs> I mean, Linnell, we know what we have in Mitchell Trubisky yeah. at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, 
if he ends up, you know, hey, he can go down the road of Chase Daniel, who I just saw on social media has made over $40 million over the course of his NFL career. And I think between you and I, Liddell, we've had more meaningful snaps under center in the NFL than he has. But <laughs> right. It's a great gig if you could get it. And so if Mitchell yeah. Trubisky goes down that road, hey, more power to him. So, Mark, we'll continue the theme of the quarterback battles here. The, the more interesting one, the most interesting one to me, is down in Seattle, or up in Seattle, excuse me, with the Seahawks. They got Drew Locke that they traded for. Geno Smith is right in the thick of it. And if you ask some of the veterans on the team, they'd rather go with Geno. For Drew Locke here, though, specifically, do you think this is his last opportunity to prove himself uh, as a starter in this league? And a two-part question here for you, Mark. With Geno Smith potentially being at the helm, what's the, what's the ceiling for Seattle with, with Geno running the show? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're getting out of a weekend here, Linnell, where Drew Locke's <laughs> probably in the news more for getting roasted by the U.S. Open social media account than anything else. Wow. I mean, that's probably a bad sign about his fortune to that first question. I do think this is probably his last shot to, to win a starting job. You know, we might have a similar conversation about him in a couple of years. We were just talking about Mitchell's risky, and maybe he's going to be that lifetime backup spot starter type. And so, you know, Locke has a live arm. I mean, I remember being down at Mobile for his senior bowl and certainly threw it all over the yard, but there's more to play in the quarterback position, as you well know, than just how hard could you throw it. Yeah, lots of guys can throw it through the brick wall, but you got to be able to do more than just that, and that's the area of the game that Locke has certainly struggled with. And like you said, a lot of the veterans in Seattle – I'm highly complimentary of what Geno Smith has done. And last week I went back and watched some of what he did last season when he was pressed into action when Russell Wilson went down. And I gotta say I came away relatively impressed, perhaps most of all when I, with his ability to sort of fight in the pocket, right? Yeah. A lot of times you see quarterbacks, they they feel pressure, they perceive pressure, they see pressure, and they sort of panic. They want to escape, run out the back door, roll to their right but he was so willing to just sort of stay in the pocket, use his feet and move around and create space and just fight in the pocket. I think that's a really important trait for quarterbacks to have. Now, yes, there's obviously more to play in the position than just that, but I think Smith did a very good job. There's veteran leaders who are behind him right now, and I think that sort of bodes well when you think about what Pete Carroll likes to do. I think it bodes well for Smith winning that battle and Locke perhaps trying to find another home in the next offseason cycle. And, Mark, I know this is going to sound crazy. I don't think the Seattle Seahawks uh, are, are as far away as some people make it seem. I know the big thing philosophically for them is they want to run the football. So if they can, you know, have that and help complement uh, Geno Smith in the passing game, I think uh, they can turn heads here a little bit. Uh, we'll go somewhere else here uh, in the NFC West, uh, Mark. Kyler Murray's contract situation with the Arizona Cardinals, obviously that's a, been a hot-button topic this offseason. Uh, how do you see that situation shaking out? And then just explain to me some of the shortcomings that, that Kyler Murray has had here in the postseason and really at the end of seasons here uh, with Cliff Kingsbury and company. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, I, my brother just texted me. He's listed it on in, you know, with the family barbecue. So a little shout-out to my brother, Steve, for those sitting in. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, um, Steve. <laughs> with, with, with respect to Kyler Murray, though, I, I think they're going to want to get a long-term deal done. I mean, when you look around the quarterback landscape, we're seeing these deals are going to start to get done. Obviously, Kyler and Lamar are the two names to watch next, and then Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert after that. And I think from Arizona's perspective, Murray's one of those unique talents at the position that I think you and I have talked about this a lot, Linnell. You need in today's NFL the ability to create, the ability to yes. create awesome structure, the ability to make something happen when the defense with the athletes of defenses crew on the field nowadays take away your first, second, and third reads. And Murray has that ability. 
As far as the shortcomings, there's sort of a big pitcher and a smaller pitcher one with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Big pitcher, past couple of years, they've gotten off to very good starts. Defenses then sort of figure out what they're doing. Defensive coaches figure out what they're doing, and they struggle, in, at least in my view, to adjust to the adjustment. It's something we've seen with Sean McVay for a couple of years, Kyle Shanahan, now we're seeing it with Cliff. Defenses sort of figure out conceptually what the Cardinals want to do on offense, and they struggle at adjusting to the adjustments. With Kyler itself, it's really sort of getting to that fourth lead or that check down on a given play. And it's sometimes something we see athletic quarterbacks struggle with, right? Kyler Murray, pretty much every single time he stepped on a field before he got to the NFL, was the most athletic guy on the field. Yes. He knew in the back of his mind if something didn't look right to him in the secondary, he could just pull it down and run with the football remember back when he was at Oklahoma in their game against Army his last year there. I think four different defenders on that defense on a given play had a shot, had the perfect angle on him, and he has that sort of angle erasing ability as an athlete where he always thought, I could pull it down, I can run, I can make magic happen. It's a little bit different at the NFL. You've got some athletes on the other side of the ball that can match that athleticism. So now the next step in his evolution is get into that fourth read, get into that check down if he can start doing that on a more consistent basis because he does it, it's just a matter of doing it more consistently, then he'll take that huge leap as a quarterback. Mark, I love when you talk X's and O's with me, man. It gets me, gets me riled up. Uh, it gets joining me going, right? Yes, Even sir. on the 4th of July. Exactly, exactly. Uh, joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is USA Today's Touchdown Wire blog writer, Mark Schofield. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. And Mark, I want to bring things back local here to the DMV. Uh, for a quick second, I talked about it before you got on the air. Terry McLaurin inked to a three-year, $71 million extension that'll keep him here in Washington through the 2025 season. How important was it for Washington to get this deal done with McLaurin? And from what you know about the game, obviously you're so knowledgeable. What type of message can this send to your locker room when a guy like Terry McLaurin gets paid? I mean, first of all, let's start there. The note. It sends two messages, that schematic message, and I think that overall big picture message. The big picture message is we're going to take care of our guys. And I think yeah. that's the message as an organization, whether you're in Washington, whether you're in another city, another NFL town, you want to be sent it to your players. Look, you perform for us, we're going to take care of you. We're not going to get to a situation where we're worried about contract status. We're not going to let you walk out that door. You perform for us, we're going to take care of you. And I think that's the sort of big picture message there. But there's also the idea that in today's NFL, you need guys that can be versatile at the wide receiver position. And I remember speaking of the Senior Bowl, watching Terry McLaurin when he was down there, because a lot of the times the wide receivers and the pass rushers get the most attention down to the Senior Bowl, at least from those that are in attendance. The quarterbacks get the headlines, you know, those guys, everybody talks about them and loves to talk quarterbacks. But when you're watching practices, you want to see receivers in one-on-ones. You want to see pass rushers in one-on-ones. That week down at Mobile, nobody could cover Terry McLaurin. He was wide open all the time. And pretty much everybody in attendance said, this guy could do it all at the next level. And that's what you're seeing from him as a Washington commander, right? He can go vertical. He can work underneath. He can work open over the intermediate areas of the field. He can be that get-to-the-football, quarterback's best friend type of receiver at the catch point. I mean, that's catch he had against Los Angeles in the season opener last year that yes. I was watching it. You know, I, I threw the laptop. I was running around <laughs> in the backyard. I mean, it was just one of those catches awesome. that you're like, you remember where you were when you saw that catch. Yeah. If he delivers that, he's the type of receiver that you need in today's NFL, that versatility, that ability to be the quarterback's best friend. And then you start thinking about 
him, Jahan Dotson working together, the various things they can do, the different route concepts. You start thinking about from a defensive coordinator's perspective, where are you shading coverage to? You're probably going to do it against Terry McLaurin. You're going to rotate that safety over. You might bracket him, do a true double, a true inside-outside bracket on him. Then you've got Jahan Dotson on the other side that can win one-on-ones as well, that has been effective against press-aligned defenders, even at the college level. That was one of the things I loved about him coming out, studying him last spring, last fall. So I think it's a message that we can win with this 11 personnel package we're well out there. You can have the two receivers that you need that can be versatile, that can beat different types of coverage and different kinds of alignments. That's what they've put together. Now, can Carson Wentz deliver? Perhaps that's the ultimate question big to be answered question. over the next couple of months. That's the big one. But I said getting this Terry McLaurin deal done was huge for Washington. Well, look, my man Warren Sharp, Mark, uh, put out an interesting tweet earlier today, I believe. Washington, did you, did you know this, Mark? Third most money spent on their offense in the National Football League, the Washington Commanders, $122 million invested on that side of the ball. So, obviously, Scott Turner... Out of excuses right now as the offensive coordinator, he's got to make this thing shake uh, in 2022. Mark, I want to flip things over, go national, uh, big picture here one more time before we get you off of here. Uh, going into every season, Mark, there is a great amount of parity in the National Football League. And every year we see a team in a division go from worst to first. Uh, who do you think that could be potentially for the 2022 season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question when you start thinking about who to go worst to first. I don't know if they could go all the way to first. But a team that I'm oddly extremely excited about, Linnell, the Detroit oddly. Lions. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's the Detroit Lions. My producer in studio and, loves that. He's a Jared Goff mark. <laughs> I, there are Jared Goff troopers out there, and I can see <laughs> why. But what, what I love about the Lions for next year, obviously, look, the additions at the top of the draft, right? Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams. In, in many cases, in many minds, the best pass rusher. In many cases, the best receiver in the draft. They get both of those players, and I think that's fantastic. But when you look at how they played for Dan Campbell last year on a season and in a year where everybody thought they were tanking for the first overall pick, they still made teams fight. You know, and it's a cliche. You know, every head coach, when they win a game, they speak to the media, they have their press conference, all oh, that team gave us everything they had. But I truly think that NFL coaches, when they said that last year after beating Detroit, they meant it. You look at, like, for yeah. example, that Ravens game where it took, you know, a, a, an NFL record field goal that bounces off the crossbar from Tucker and Drew to win that game. I mean, that team was fighting for Dan Campbell during a year where everybody thought they were just going to lay down for the first overall pick and draft a quarterback. Now they add the talent they added, and you look around. Yes, I think the Packers will still be pretty good. I think the Vikings are going to be pretty good. Chicago's probably got a ways to go. I'm not too thrilled with their offseason. I think Detroit, Linnell, has a chance to surprise. Now, does it get all the way to first? Maybe not. Tough division. But that's a team I'm genuinely excited, Linnell, to watch in the season ahead. Yeah, I am too. And going back and referring to Warren Sharp's list, the Detroit Lions, I believe, are fourth on that list and the most money invested in their offense. I know a lot of that has to do with uh, Jared Goff's big cap number. Uh, so the Lions will definitely be a team that we look out for in the fall. And we'll be looking out for you in the fall as well, Mark. I know this is the time of year you get it cranked up. I know you've been working hard all off season, ready to see all of your analysis come to fruition. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Thanks so much, Luna. Have a fantastic rest of the day, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Will do. Will do. Want to give a big shout-out to my man Mark Schofield hopping on with me. And I love when he talks X's and O's because you want to talk about somebody that is entrenched in the film, really doing it on a day-to-day basis, putting in those long hours, trying to you know, see what's what around the National Football League. Mark is, is your guy to do it with, and that's why I love having him on with me. Always get smarter 
uh, when you got Mark Schofield on the show. Just about three weeks left until the start of training camp, and I cannot wait. I also can't wait for this next segment, guys. New staple here on Overtime with Linnell Willingham is Nell's Quick Clicks. I'll share with you guys some of the most interesting things I found across the web this week, so you want to keep it locked for that. We got Roosters Gone Wild. We got an ESPN insider stirring up the pot, trying to give life to a rumor of the past, and in my opinion, the most overrated fast food joint in the world strikes again. Don't move a muscle. Next, it's Nell's Quick Clicks. Ride with me. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. It's Linnell Willingham. So glad we had a chance to talk this out. On 106.7 The Fan. Here's Nell's Quick Clicks. Welcome back. Linnell Willingham here with you on The Fan for about another hour or so. And I'll take you up to 6 o'clock. It's been a jam-packed show so far. I want to give a big thanks to Mark Schofield of USA Today's Touchdown Wire blog for giving me some time talking all things National Football League here. We're just about three weeks away from the start of training camp. But you heard the rejoiner. I'm going to get to a new staple here on a show that I run called Nell's Quick Clicks. We'll take a spin around the globe and click on some stories that we didn't have enough time to talk about here uh, in the show. Uh, we'll start nationally here i was watching svp sports center and he had espn nba insider bobby marks on check out what bobby had to say i think you'll appreciate this one i think the wizards are a wild card and i say this because you just signed bradley beal you're all in right now i don't know if you have enough but it is certainly worth making the call and all from every first round pick you can offer. They own the Knicks for picks next year. Pick swaps, uh, Porzingis, your young players, Johnny Davis you can trade. Just on, you know, basically say you can have anyone on this roster except Bradley Beal. So I would say the Wizards would be my wild card there. That was ESPN insider Bobby Marks talking to Scott Van Pelt on the late night edition of SportsCenter about being a wild card, talking about the Wizards, and acquiring Kevin Durant. From the Brooklyn Nets, obviously well-documented uh, the turmoil that's going on there in Brooklyn. And Bobby Marks hopping on with Scotty Van Pelt saying, look, I think the Wizards should be a team to watch. And I know, obviously, Wizards Twitter out there is scorned <laughs> about the last time that the KD to DC hype train uh, got on the track because it obviously ended up in not only Kevin Durant not even taking a meeting with us, we ended up being in a situation where they gutted this roster to create financial flexibility and create some cap room. And then when KD said no, they had to pivot. They had to pivot. So then you see Jan Mahimi getting $18 million a year. We saw them pay Andrew Nicholson $13 million a year. Just, just a plethora of moves 
the Wizards had to make to free up and, and use up that cap space that they cleared for Kevin Durant. I put this in the quick clicks because, look, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's got to be a realistic possibility. And I want to differentiate a little bit from what Bobby Marks said. Hell, Bradley Beal should be on the table <laughs> when, it, when it comes to potentially acquiring, in my opinion, arguably top four player in the National Basketball Association. I'm sorry. I love Bradley Beal as much as the next man does. But the hell with Bradley Beal if we're talking about KD to D.C., if we're talking about the potential of Kevin Durant eating mumbo sauce wings on the sideline, if we're talking about the possibility of him coming back and having to buy hundreds of tickets for his family members and we get to see Pam, I mean Wanda, excuse me, Wanda Durant on the sideline cheering on KD, it's got all the feels. It's got all the feels. It's a vibe. Talking about KD to D.C., and I warn you out there, Wizards fans, tread lightly on this. Yes, yes, Bobby Marks, a prominent figure on ESPN's family and networks, came out and said this to Scotty Van Pelt, but I don't know. How likely is it? We don't know. But I think that might be why Washington has this logjam at the forward spot. Maybe they're the team that the Brooklyn Nets need to hit up and give up some of these young pieces and first-round picks to try to potentially uh, you know, get their hands on Kevin Durant. So KD to D.C., according to Bobby Marks, Still alive. Next item here on Nell's Quick Clicks. I don't even know what state this is from, but there is a man facing felony charges because of what happened to a rooster. And I'm not talking about Chris Russell. We're talking about a real rooster here. Take a listen. But one day when Nick says the rooster followed him and attacked him. His neck flares up and he's doing his thing and he's trying to jump up at me. He was trying to get the animal away. And I try to hit it, but the chicken's jumping up at me and I accidentally (laughs) knocked it in the head. You know, call it a lucky shot, whatever. But when Dave Felice came home, all he saw was his rooster dead in a ditch. I said I'm calling JSO. I called JSO. JSO didn't do nothing. Then a couple days later, I, I realized I could call animal control. And in late June, James Nix went to jail for animal cruelty. Next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. While the neighbors continue the fight, Nick says he never should have been arrested. Chickens are dying every day, people, at churches, Popeyes, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Really? I mean, boy. I mean, look. I, I love me chicken as much as the next man. But for a guy to be facing felony charges over this thing, and clearly the, the uh, this is in Jacksonville, Florida, by the way. Jacksonville, Florida. Of course. You, you see, you know how wild it gets in Florida style. You've seen the accent on him, too. This is Before I knew it, before I actually read up on the situation and I was just watching the video uh, on Twitter, Barstool uh, had tweeted this out. I'm listening to this dude's accent, and I said, oh, this has got to be Texas or, or Kentucky or Tennessee. But Florida? Do better, Jacksonville. Do better. We gotta treat our roosters better. I don't even know what to say about that <laughs> after <laughs> listening to that. Like, I don't know what's going on. Feel, we all we have is this minute clip. We have no context other than that. At least I don't. So I don't know whose side I'm on right now. If you're following me on Twitter at N-E-L-L underscore BTP, I'm about to retweet the video. You guys can take a look at it for yourselves and, and get an opportunity to find some more about it. And if you find out some more about this thing, call in. Let me know about it. I'm trying to figure out. What the hell is going on in Jacksonville as well when it comes to these damn chickens? And the worst part about it is, Stallion, the, the other guy whose rooster that it was, I mean, just sounded distraught about, about the whole thing. He comes home and his rooster 
probably is a cash cow for him. He's probably got a family of roosters that he's selling. It's dead. I, or maybe it's like a pet. I don't know. Who, who knows what they're doing <laughs> down in Florida? I mean, he sounded distraught. I mean, I would be too if I had a, a, a pet rooster who came home and I found him in a ditch. Like, that stinks. Like, I, I feel I feel for him. <laughs> it stinks. But, like, it, it's, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. The, the rooster is attacking him, so what does the guy do? I mean, he's not just going to lay down and get attacked by a rooster. I don't know. That seems a little messed up to me. I don't know, though. I'm wondering how honest this man was being about his involvement in the death of this rooster because I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe. Maybe that's the twist. Did you hear what he said? He goes, yeah. roosters get killed all the time. Churches, KFC, Popeyes, Kentucky Fried Chicken, they kill roosters all the time. Now I kill a rooster on face of felony charges. <laughs> I don't know what was happening with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel for him too now. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get some more on that. Uh, Marion County, I believe, is where it was in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So we'll get some more on that. We'll wrap up Nell's quick clicks with this. I got a controversial hot take here, people. Chick-fil-A once again voted the number one fast food joint in America America, for the eighth straight year. Eight straight years, you morons are out there voting Chick-fil-A as the number one restaurant. Don't give me that they're uber polite. My pleasure. My pleasure. The pleasure is ours, etc. I don't care about any of that. Do not overcharge me for a too small chicken sandwich. I'll peel back the curtain. I'm 6'1", 265 pounds. There's no way that a number one from Chick-fil-A is doing it for me. And the fact that it's ringing me $9, $9, and they give you this children's size waffle fry. First of all, that's another thing that I'm just completely off of. Waffle fries? Give me, give me mine's crinkle cut, crispy, with a little extra salt on it, and we can win. I mean, you're going you're gonna to catch a lot of, after saying all that, I, I will say. You're going to catch a lot. Nell underscore BTP <laughs> is the out. Twitter. <laughs> Give it out to him, please. I, I'm telling you, Ryan clearly is a fan of Chick-fil-A. I understand why you all are fans of Chick-fil-A. My thing is this about the Chick-fil-A thing, right? There are so many other good fast food chains that give you more bang for your buck. I'm talking to you, McDonald's, Roger, Ronald, excuse me, the Golden Arch. They don't let me down. Chick-fil-A, though, they added the mac and cheese. It's too cheesy. They're trying to just do too much. They're trying to do too much. And they're killing chickens. So clearly him and the man in Jacksonville, Florida, talk about the Chick-fil-A and the guy in Jacksonville, Florida. Maybe they should join forces and work together. I don't know. That's been Nell's Quick Clicks, my crazy stories uh, from the web. And Wizards DC family, don't go crazy about the KD to DC uh, hashtag. We got to take a quick time out here. When we come back on the other side of this break, We'll talk more things NFL. We'll go commander specific here. Terry McLaurin just got signed to a new extension. Which commander's player should be next in line to get paid? I'll tell you here on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Listen to the fan. 